thank you, thank you. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good. And uh, how are you guys doing online? Listen, we're so pleased that you're here and with us. We're, we're really excited about what God's going to do as people are connecting. I trust all over Bedford and way beyond that. And so, so yeah, just as Caroline and Becky, I'm sure, have already said, so pleased by the fact that we've got a live stream going. Friends, can I share some good news with you? We've had eight people respond to the gospel today. I don't think, guys, I don't think that I was nearly excited enough. You know, there is a... There is something beautiful where the Bible says that the whole of heaven rejoices as one person comes into relationship with Jesus. That is a phenomenal thing. And we should never get tired or weary of hearing such good news. And uh, I am really pleased to be with you. I see so many faces who I uh, recognize and miss, but at the same time, so thrilled by the fact that this uh, site is flourishing, this location is growing, and that good things are happening here. And so we guys are going to be in a uh, passage in Philippians chapter 2. You can get there. But let me start off by saying this, okay? I was recently having a conversation with my three children. So we've got a five-year-old, an eight-year-old, and a nine-year-old. And I was just sharing a little bit about what it was like when I was a child watching the television. I started by saying, you know, some programs were in black and white. They were like, black and white? Wow. And yeah, there was, you know, if you, if you missed a program, you didn't have the opportunity of going back to it. And they're like, what? It doesn't make any sense. And, and, yeah, yeah. and I, so I had, to, I had to explain by the fact that we actually only had four channels. They're like, four channels? That doesn't make any sense. Why can't you flick? It's like, well, we didn't have a remote control. You actually had to stand up and you had to go and press one of the four buttons. And I said, look, guys, it wasn't all a bad thing. You know, there were good reasons for this. You know, t- to start off with, no one could hog the remote control. Do we have anyone who's willing to admit here, online or not, anyone a remote control hogger? Yeah, we've got a few people who are honest enough to admit it. But obviously the other benefit was the fact that you didn't lose the remote control, right? And as a nation, I just think we were more fit. You had to, you know, if, particularly if you were a channel hopper, you just had to get up and down, right? So we had nice and strong thighs and everything else. Now, obviously... <laughs> Obviously, I'm not suggesting that I would want to go back, right? I I like the fact that we have a breadth of options. I like the fact that we can watch everything in HD now. I like the fact that we we can, uh, you know, watch so many different channels and so on and so forth. But my favorite thing is the pause button. Right? Because obviously you're in the middle of this fantastic show and, and, and suddenly there's a, there's, a, there's a reason why you have to stop it. There's a knock on the door, right? And so or, or this, you need to go to the bathroom or you, you know, someone needs to go and raid the snacks cupboard and make sure everything's topped up alongside you. Well, of course, then you can just pause it. And you've got this beautiful moment where you know, that's not going to go anywhere. The live sport is gonna, still going to feel like it's live. What's interesting, though, for me is that we forget that we have an opportunity of also pressing a pause button on our lives. So many of us, I think, are just racing. We're trying to get from one thing to the next, right? We're trying to, to, to quickly respond to all the crisis over here, and we're trying to make sure everything's done over there, and there's emails, and there's task lists, and there's crises happening all around us. And we need to realize that, really, we can press the pause button in our lives. That's what I want to do with you this morning. And we're going to look at a letter that was written uh, by a guy called Paul, the Apostle Paul. And he actually wrote this letter from a prison. Uh, likely it was a, um, a place that he was locked down in for a while. Some people suggest it was house arrest. He was likely in Rome, but he is writing a letter to a church in a place called Philippi. 
okay? And uh, he's really wanting to encourage them, even in the midst of him realizing that, one, he's locked down, but two, he's likely waiting for his impending execution. I wouldn't have expected him to be particularly positive, but actually he's trying to assure the church, you're going to see this, that he's in good spirits, and his faith in Christ is flourishing, and he's trying to encourage other people. Okay? Now, this man is someone who has changed history. So if you've got your uh, notepad out, you might want to make some notes as we go, because we want to listen to what he says in the midst of him speaking into our world right now. We're going to see three things. We're going to see an encouragement, we're going to see a warning, and we're going to see an assignment that God has for each one of us. All right, I'm going to break it into three sections then. Here's the first one. Philippians chapter 3, verse 1 says this. Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. Now, as I was preparing this message, what I wanted to do is is to think to myself, what am I going to do with this passage? So I wrote down three statements. If you like, they're the three points that I want to share with you today. The first is this. I will remember to rejoice. I will remember to rejoice. Now, right off the bat here, we can see that Paul is incredibly fatherly. He's got this desire to serve us, to support us as churches who are watching in. There's this motivation to protect us. It even uses that word to safeguard and to be persistent in reminding us what we can do. Now, listen, I don't know whether you're anything like me, but it is possible, I think, when you're looking at the news, when you're seeing headlines, to become swallowed up by some of the things that we see, right? We can be consumed by all the headlines that draw us into such horrendous news that's happening right now. Almost the point, cynical though I might sound, that journalists are intentionally thinking of what's the very worst thing that I can throw up there as a headline because I want to draw people into a sense of fear and I want to draw people into a sense of concern. Now actually, we've got to be very careful not to be overcome by such emotions. But what Paul is saying here is that even in the midst of any circumstances, if he's waiting for his execution in a prison cell... Yet he's still rejoicing and giving thanks. And he's feeding our faith. Because what happens when we do that is it stops us from becoming cynical. And it stops us becoming disconnected from the path that we're supposed to have. Now right the way across this room, and certainly right the way across those who are watching online, there will be people who are in different scenarios. Some people are saying right now, I am riding the crest of a wave. Life is going great. This is a mountaintop moment for me. Maybe work is flourishing and and that life is uh, feeling brilliant in terms of your relationships and your family and your connections. The likelihood is, is there's also a bunch of people who would say, actually, life's pretty tough right now. And I feel in a bit of a pit. I feel in a place of despair. I feel disconnected and I feel like things are hard right now. No matter where you are, there is an encouragement for us to rejoice. So let me tell you, I'll tell you some stories because stories always feed me. And I always think to myself, right, I want to encourage people. So I'll tell you some stories that have been encouraging me recently and have fed me recently, okay? I was sitting down with a guy called Richard Green who leads All Nations Church across Bedford. He's a good friend of ours. And uh, he was telling me about someone who was in town from his church recently. And they were walking down. They saw a young man with a T-shirt on. Across his T-shirt, it says, I wish I wasn't here. I wish I wasn't here. So the friend of Richard's approached them. So he said, hey, mate, like, what's going on? What's with the T-shirt? His response was just like, look, my life is just beep. Swearing, saying, look, my life is just terrible. And the friend of ours, he said, simply said, look, asked him, would you like a new life? 
This is something that only Jesus can offer. Would you like a new life? And he spent just a few minutes telling them about Jesus and the life that's on offer. Right there in the high street, he gave his life to Christ. Isn't that encouraging? The fact that there are... Father, there are people in our town waiting to be spoken to about Jesus. It encourages me. I was talking to another um, vicar, a new vicar actually in Bedford, a guy called David Thomas. He, uh, he's encouraged his church to call him Father DT, which I quite like, but I don't think I could pull that off. But Father DT, and he was telling me that he was so encouraged right now. They'd had a guest speaker come to one of their youth meetings. And they said at the end of the meeting, three quarters of the room went down to kneel down and give their lives to Christ. Isn't that an incredible thing? It's happening in our town, friends. We can celebrate this. I had a message from Lauren, who right now is with our young people on a weekend away. And she said this. She said, we're having loads of fun here. It's been so nice to see young people connect with one another too. Last night was an absolute highlight. The theme of the weekend was that we'd be set apart. And last night, after Charlene spoke, 42 of our 61 people came down and knelt at the front to surrender their lives to God. It was a beautiful moment, and I wept the whole way through God being very faithful to us whilst we are here. Isn't that an incredible thing? Sometimes we have a choice to make. We could be swallowed by, consumed by the news headlines which are dragging and crying out for our attention, or we can choose to fix our eyes on rejoicing the fact that God is on the move. And he is the same, you know, yesterday, today, and tomorrow, forevermore. He's the one who is coming back to wipe away every tear from every eye and bring his kingdom. And he is altogether worthy of our praise, our rejoicing, our adoration. I'll give you one thing that I personally was incredibly encouraged by this week. Do you know that uh, celebrations have decided to banish the bounty from the celebrations box? They have! Can I get a hallelujah? No? No? Now, here's the thing, all right? In our house, I'm just being honest with you, just being honest with you, in our house, it's always the bounties and the Snickers bar left to the bottom, right? No one likes the bounties or the Snickers, so they need to go as well. Yeah? We're, we're, we're actually, we're hoping, we're hoping they're going to bring the Galaxy Truffle back. Anyone remember the Galaxy Truffle? Love that bad boy. Why is the Galaxy Truffle left the Box of Celebrations? Now, interestingly, I've, I've shared this at all three meetings so far. I hadn't realized that a Box of Celebrations was going to be the cause of a church split. So I do apologize, <laughs> even though I personally am rejoicing, all right? Listen, let's get back to our passage. Actually, no, before I do that, I'll tell you something fun. When it comes to worship, we should be rejoicing. I had James, my nine-year-old, come to me recently, and he said, Dad, Dad, I can start singing Be Bold, Be Strong now. There's a kid's song that says, Be Bold, Be Strong, for the Lord your God is with you. I was like, what do you mean you can start singing it now? He was like, well, I used to think it said, Be Bold, Be Strong. (laughs) I don't know, maybe he was thinking he would end up like his dad if he sang the song. So he hadn't been singing the song because he thought he would... (laughs) We can rejoice, friends, all right? No fear. (laughs) Let's go back to our passage. I'm going to read out a chunk, but I'm going to make one or two observations as we go so that we understand the context of the verses that we're reading, okay? Verse 2 carries on like this. It says, Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. Now, just to say, we've obviously seen Bailey on the news, on the preview. I'm not anti-dogs, but what Paul is trying to do here is he's trying to speak about the strength of feeling he has against legalism, okay? You see, because there are some people in this church, seemingly, who are saying, sure, Jesus is great, but that's not enough. They're saying there are things you need to do to add to your salvation. 
And it's obedience to the law that saves you and makes you right with God. As you're going to see, Paul comes incredibly strongly down on this as being false. For we worship, he says, by the Spirit of God. And we are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort, though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. He says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. A real Hebrew, if ever there was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so jealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. He's reminding those in Philippi of his own pre-conversion history. If anyone could impress God by doing the legal, religious things, the rule-keeping, the religious performance, the devotion to the scriptures, the adherence to the law, this was the guy. And yet, this is what he says. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I became righteous through faith in Christ. Let me pause there just for a moment because I want to just underline one particular word. Because there's a word there which, when it's been translated in our modern translations, they've almost downplayed a little bit, intentionally to try and make it a little bit more acceptable to our ears. It's this word that says uh, garbage or rubbish. Now, in the Greek, it's uh, pronounced skubalon, okay, skubalon. But this word translated here is actually a much harder, harsher word. And when you literally translate it, it actually means the excrement of animals, off-scourings, dregs, or things that are worthless and detestable. And most English translations, as I say, they tone down Paul's language here for the sake of our sensibilities. But what I think Paul is doing here is he's speaking directly to say, this is how strongly I feel against legalism, against those who are putting rules on top of people. It really is that serious. For God's way, he continues, of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ, he says, and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Wow. He's like taking a sledgehammer right now to what people think. And the tricky bit, guys, if I'm honest, is that in our own minds and in our church it's possible for legalism to creep in as well. And so I want to say as loudly and as clearly as I possibly can that your standing before God is not based on how much you prayed this week. It's not pray, based on whether you've opened your Bible. It's not uh, based on whether you've been coming to church and haven't missed a prayer meeting for I don't know how many months. It's purely, beautifully based on the finished work of Jesus and his invitation into relationship with him. Grace is a phenomenal thing. Now, Paul is actually using almost accountancy language, okay? And so he's talking about this kind of profit and loss account. 
You know, what, the things that I used to consider profit, the things that I used to consider as uh, positive, as credit, I now consider as loss. So when it comes to those list of things, those religious duties, he's saying in comparison to knowing Jesus, it's all in that loss column. Now listen, you may have walked into church the very first time this morning. And maybe you're thinking to yourself, are oh, these guys, they, they bang on about the gospel, they talk about Jesus, like, is it really good news? Let me tell you that the, the good news of Jesus is that he loves you before you've done anything. He's for you before you've done anything. He literally reached out, stepped into human history so that you might know him, and he loves you. If you're listening to my voice from one of your chairs right now, hear me on this, whether you're listening to me from your lounge or your car stereo. Guys, I plead with you, know that there is good news. And if the church has never represented that to you, then I'm sorry. But it's Jesus who makes us right with God. The legalism is actually the exact opposite of the gospel. It tells us to strive for God's approval, but he makes us miserable because none of us have got what it takes. And here's the thing, all right? The older I'm getting, and I've been a Christian for 17 years now, the older I'm getting, the more I'm aware of my own brokenness and my own need for him. But also the more beautiful mercy feels, the more sweet it is to know of his grace. And even for me, I'm more aware even of those kind of doubting voices at times, those little niggles that says you're lazy, that say you're out of your depth, that say you haven't got what it takes. You know, some people here might be thinking, oh, I don't wonder what's going on in Steve's head. Sometimes I would say the enemy starts to lie to you and give you little niggles and puts thoughts into your mind. I don't know whether I'm the only one. Maybe it's your own subconscious doubting yourself. Do you know what's beautiful? It's that even if I can smile back at those voices and say, do you know what? Maybe I don't, but he does. He's covered me in his grace. He's covered me in his righteousness. I'm still right before God because of what Jesus did, not because of what I did. And so there was this beautiful transaction that happened where he took all of my F's and I get to, to take all of his A's. And it's the same way that he sees each and every one of you. He delights in us. And so my next I will statement was, I will rest in his grace. I will rest in his grace. Do you know what's sad though? I mean, on Thursday, I was walking my kids uh, to school. On the way back, I met uh, a lady who used to come to the King's Arms. So her and her husband were, were very much kind of part of the church, but stopped coming around about when COVID hit. And I just said, hey, look, how you doing? Is everything all right? It's so lovely to see you. And she said, actually, things are pretty tough. And I think things have been really difficult. And she said to me, Steve, we really need to come home. And it broke my heart when I said to her, look, what, you, you're welcome anytime. I knew that she was talking about King's Arms. She was like, no, you're, you come, you're, you're welcome here anytime. She said, that's just too difficult. I think we've been away too long. Will we be accepted? And I'm kind of screaming, thinking, but it's the grace of God. And honestly, guys, I don't care whether it's your very first time here or whether you've had 20 years away or, or anything else. You're welcome here. And God's love extends to you. And we want you to be connected, deeply rooted into family. I don't ever want us to be a community where people feel like they can't come. Holding on to religious acts, you know, thinking to myself, oh, I've just got to hold on to this thing for the longest. It's never going to help. It's like being stranded in the ocean and, and, and holding on, thinking, right, if I, if I pray enough, if I read enough, if I study enough, it's like holding on to an anvil, right? This huge, heavy piece of metal. And as you grip onto that thing, it doesn't matter how earnest you are in your faith, that thing's still going to sink to the bottom. And yet it's Jesus who reaches out 
There's this beautiful picture that I'm going to show on the screen here. And uh, it's by a Korean artist called uh, Young Sung Kim. And it's a painting of Jesus reaching down and picking people up who are lost in the water. And it's just a captivating picture and the realization that only he can save when we're drowning. Some of you guys will have heard of a pastor called John Wimber. Anyone heard of John Wimber? Now, John Wimber, primarily, certainly within Christian circles, was known because of the fact that he founded the Vineyard Movement of Churches, which had a phenomenal impact right away across the world. Well, it was just this week that I actually heard some of his backstory, okay? And actually, what happened with John Wimber is that he was an incredibly talented musician known as Johnny Wimber when he was younger. And so that image on the left-hand side is him being part of a band. And so third from the left is, uh, is uh, John Wimber. And uh, they, the band was called the Paramours. Now, John actually left the band, which I'll tell you about in a moment, but the band went on to become a band called the Righteous Brothers. Anyone heard of the Righteous Brothers? Yeah? Well, they, they had some really big hits, things like Unchained Melody and You've Lost That Loving Feeling. You know, the other meetings were, were shouting at me to do my best Tom Cruise impression. I decided not to, but, you know, they were wanting me to, but I decided not to. You don't have to plead. Um, anyway, when they were part of this band, they were getting loads of acclaim, they were getting people offering them contracts, they were getting lots of popularity, and they were winning awards, and he was doing incredibly well, but then he met Jesus, and he decided, you know, I want to give myself to something else. But the band went up to him, and they said to him, look, have you lost your mind, John? This was his response. He said, yes, I've lost my mind, I've met Jesus, and I don't plan on ever getting it back. I love that line. I've lost my mind. I've met Jesus. I don't ever plan on getting it back. His wife said that he was so thoroughly converted by the beauty of Jesus that the things around him just didn't have any meaning anymore. He, he gave back his awards and he sold his instruments and all those things he just decided to get rid of. She said that she had never been more proud of her husband than in that moment. What's interesting is that as John Wimber, some of you might know this story, pioneered and planted churches through Vineyard all over the place. They actually changed the expression of modern contemporary Christian music right the way across the globe. So God still had a plan, but look at that beautiful sense of obedience in the midst of it. You see, I don't want us to settle for anything less than a full conversion of our hearts. So we can all wrestle, but we want to receive the grace of God in our lives and be captivated by it. So whether you have done your devotionals, whether you have done your, you know, come to church regularly, whether you have done all the things and you know, you've kept a lid on your temper, maybe you feel like, oh yeah, I'm a really good Christian right now. But what about when you've lost your temper and you've cut that person up and you've watched something you shouldn't have watched? When, how do you feel then? Oh, I'm a second class Christian. I don't even feel like a Christian today. But your standing before God is not based on your performance. It's, it's because of what Jesus did for you. Amen. Listen, one more thing I want to share. And we'll read these last three verses together, and then I'll bring us into a land. I don't mean to say, Paul continues, that I've already uh, achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Now, as I was thinking about this and thinking about, well, what, what's the situation with Paul there, okay? So he's getting old at this point. 
He's facing execution. He's in a prison. Like, surely at this point, he's thinking to himself, right, well, I need to find the next generation to pass the baton on to, right? Surely it's time to slow down a little bit. Surely it's time to unwind, stick your feet up, find your pipe and slippers, do something to sort of slow down. That's not what Paul does. And interestingly, did you notice some of the language? He says he wants to press on, to focus, to look forward, to reach the end of the race. And it almost contradicts what he's just said. I, I thought that you could just be relaxed and, you know, God loves you anyway, so why can't we just sort of sit back and, and rest? Well, here's the big difference with what we see. is that now we can see that Paul's life is birthed and based f- not for God's acceptance and grace, but from God's acceptance of grace. And there is a world of difference. When we are living with a sense of purpose, because God loves us, not for God's love, it changes everything, okay? Now, what we see here is in the midst of his circumstance, they're still pressing forward because he still has purpose, okay? And so where many of us would think to ourselves, look, his circumstances are such that we see the lockdown, we see the fact that he's in a prison cell, he still remains to seeing his call and his prison ministry. And he still does everything that he can to encourage other people. So my big sweeping encouragement right now to every single one of you, whether you're watching online or whether you're uh, engaging with the meeting right here, is the fact that if you are still breathing, God's still got a purpose for you. He's still got things for you to do and he has a plan and a path He has a race for you to run, and I want every single one of you to run hard at the things that he has called you to. And he shares some stories of how I believe people are doing that right now. I've been just so uh, stirred by the fact that we've got people who are investing in our children in this church, you know. A few weeks back, um, Anil, Gary, and Jess um, had a uh, meeting where they gathered together a whole bunch of our young people and took them to Laser Quest. Right? And so they were all going around shooting each other and having a brilliant time. And I picked them up later on in the evening and they were covered in sweat and had a brilliant time. And it was because they were, they were there, those kind of youth leaders, those kids' leaders, they were investing in our young people. But then I saw that they stood up the team who worked there, who were looking after them. And they said, look, every place that we go, we want to encourage those people who, are, who have been serving us. So we want to give you a huge round of applause and everyone gives them a round of applause. And they want to give them gifts and they give them gifts. And they said, and we've got some people here who want to pray for you and want to bless you. And so, blow me, it was Lexi, my seven, now eight-year-old daughter, who was one of the first people to pray for the team. But then immediately after that, it was a young girl called Emily who was a friend of Lexi's from school. And she was there praying for people. She's never been into a church service before. She's never been to any King's Arms event And yet she was the one who was praying for the Laser Quest team. The following day, or the two days later on the Sunday, she came to church the first time ever. And you know what? I celebrate Gary and Anil and Jess and every single one of you who serves in our King's Kids ministry. Thank you. Because you are investing and shaping and changing lives. And we're grateful for you. I um, was chatting to Emma Johnson, who leads our Friday night meeting, our kind of outreach where we feed the homeless, the poor, the disadvantaged on a Friday evening. And she was saying to me on Wednesday, like, there's been a number of new teams sort of come on, which is brilliant. She said one of them was 92. I love that. She arrives and she uh, kind of folds cutlery and she kind of gets napkins ready. She chops and butters broad and, uh, bread. And I was so grateful. I thought, what a brilliant thing that whatever age we were at, We still get to serve and to volunteer and to contribute and to live with purpose in our lives. I was uh, chatting recently to Zenny and Brian Burke, 
brilliant couple who are part of our church. And um, they said after years and years of never doing anything like this, they felt a nudge to actually go out and be part of a, a Christian mission in the town and go out and speak to people in the street about Jesus. And they were terrified. They were super nervous, but I don't know what we're going to do, who we're going to approach, how is this going to work? And they saw someone who happened to be smiling at the bus station. So they were like, oh, he's a smiley guy, let's go and speak to them. And so they, they had this conversation, they shared what they were doing, they got to pray with him, share about Jesus, they got to um, you know, tell him all about what they were doing. Well, that evening he was invited to a, uh, a mission night, and he was one of the first people to go forward to give their lives to Christ. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? God is on the move. But the beautiful thing is, whether you serve at FNM or, or, or volunteer with our kind of King's Kids or whether you're reaching people on the street, I don't, it doesn't have to be any one of those things. I don't want you to make yourself be like me or anyone else. I want you to be fully you and run the race that God has called you to. But let's keep pressing forward into what has he got for you. Listen, we're going to pause and we're going to respond for a moment, okay? One of the things that I'm most keen for, you know, would be that for us in our workplaces, us with our families, is there'll be people who even say to us at times, have you lost your mind? <laughs> and for us to proudly, boldly, joyfully say, yeah, I've lost my mind. I don't ever plan on getting it back because I've given it to Jesus. Now for a moment, there will be some people in this room who don't know about the relationship that I've been talking about, don't know what it means to be forgiven of sin, to be adopted into God's family and to walk with him in your everyday life. Now, if that's you, I want to give you, just as I had done in both of the meetings earlier today, the opportunity of responding to Jesus. So whether you're at home and engaging with our meeting online, whether you're here or now, can I just ask you to pause for a minute and to close your eyes and to bow your heads? Not because there's anything super spiritual about it, but because it gives space to those people who are either side of you so that they can engage with God. And if you do want to pray a prayer that invites Jesus into your life, you can follow me in praying this right now. Lord Jesus, I know that I could never live up to the standards that I set myself, let alone your standards. But today, I want to ask for your forgiveness for my sin. And I want to ask, would you come into my life and would you cover me? Would you make me new? I receive your unconditional acceptance. And I receive your grace over my life. And I ask, come in. Guide me. Live with me every single day. In Jesus' name. Listen, for a moment, while every eye remains closed, if you prayed that prayer, stick a hand real high in the air for me so I know that this has been a significant morning for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Guys, I want to pray for those people who have responded just now real quick, and then we're going to do some ministry, okay? If it's the case that you prayed that prayer just now, I'd love the opportunity of meeting with you I'd love the opportunity to give you a book in the midst of the step on your journey. But for those five or six people who responded just now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to bless them. I want to pray, God, that they would know your active favor in their lives. I want to pray, God, that you would help them to realize just how clean, just how forgiven, just how deep your grace goes and how beautiful you are. Hold on to them.
And may they be knitted beautifully into our community, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You want to pray for me, bro? Guys, let's stand together, can we? Let's stand.